When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. I'm a Georgia Tech grad and a Louisville fan. He is Mike McDaniel. He is a Virginia Tech grad and a Notre Dame fan. Mike, it feels good to be back in the home office. How are you, sir? All right, we got working Wi-Fi now, right? Working Wi-Fi. Working we Wi-Fi. Power. Power. And Check. we have hopefully good podcasting. Uh, we'll see about that. Right. TBD, TBD. <laughs> Up in the air as always. Uh, Mike, we got a recap rivalry week here. Yes, I am back from uh, Jamaica and other parts unknown. Uh, that, that vacation got a little weird. We'll talk about that here in a little while. But uh, you, of course, uh, already were back on the East Coast. Um, we had to splice together our week 13 preview because of, you know, how weird my road trip got. But... Uh, and I thought, first of all, I thought that you did a phenomenal job of that. Um, I, I kind of didn't put you in an easy spot there, but you uh, handled it like a true, true professional, no doubt. Well, I appreciate that. Um, of course, would have been nothing without you giving me something to splice up. So, <laughs> I mean, we made do with what we had. So glad it worked out. Hopefully, all of you guys listening out there were able to get you know some semblance of content out of what we put together and you know, got that good ACC knowledge dropped on you there in time for the preview. Yeah, so we'll talk about kind of what happened on my end uh, before we get out of here, but we do need to recap this ACC action from this weekend, Mike, and uh, there were several big games. Where do you where do you think we should start this week? Is there any game that sticks out in your mind here? <laughs> yeah, there is. Is there? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Pittsburgh, America's team of the week, 24, number two, Miami, 14. Celebrate oh, good time. Uh, yeah. Wow, nice. <laughs> a there. A little bit. Uh, Miami, now something like the fifth ranked team this year to lose on a Friday um, because that's just the kind of season it's been in college football. Yeah, weird. Um, Mike, this game kind of went – the way that a lot of Miami's nonsense comebacks have, uh, they they got up early at one point seven three, and then Pitt, I believe, had a halftime lead. Uh, yes, they did. They were up ten seven at halftime, went up seventeen to seven in the third quarter, and for some reason, it, it wasn't really clear. You know, Miami was having trouble on offense in this game, and Malik Rozier in particular was not good. Um, finished below 50% completion. And and ultimately, his biggest issue was that Pittsburgh was daring him to throw the ball over the top, and there were opportunities to be had left and right uh, to guys like Amon Richards, Chris Herndon, some of them. And Rozier couldn't get him the ball. And at one point, Mike, in the fourth quarter, Mark Rick pulled Malik Rozier a week before the conference championship game 
with an undefeated season going. He made a quarterback change in the fourth quarter of a road game against Pittsburgh. Uh, that didn't work out at all. This was this kind of turned into a little bit of a mess for Miami, and, and this is we've seen them all year. They they get themselves into these trouble, you know, issue situations, and they kind of find a way to pull themselves out. And this week they just couldn't do it. They could not pull themselves out, and uh, they end up getting beat here. Pittsburgh just seals the deal and and uh, seemed to just want it more at some point. Is that fair? Yeah, this was the classic situation of a bad team in Pittsburgh playing their Super Bowl last game of the year at home. It's senior day. They're not going to a bowl game. They're playing a good team in Miami, a very, very good team, um, a team that's destined for the playoff if they win the conference championship game. Uh, they're playing them at home. They're hosting them in the finale. Miami comes in, look ahead spot to the ACC championship game where they have Clemson. And yeah, you know, Pitt wanted it more. Miami kind of went to sleep. It was a short week, you know, playing them on a Friday. A lot of outside elements working against Miami in this football game. And what it boiled down to, for, you know, for me at least, and I tweeted both of these following things out, um, Malik Rozier, if he had connected on even half of the passes or even a third of the passes he overthrew, how different would the game have been? And I think, Joey, you tweeted back at me and said, well, we'd be you know, combing through a situation where Pittsburgh was working for a backdoor cover. Um, Miami was a 13.5-point favorite entering the game. Um, on the preview, I actually picked the Hurricanes to win and cover. I thought they'd win this game pretty easily, despite all of the elements from the outside working against them. Uh you know, that obviously didn't come to pass. The second thing I tweeted out was, you know, I know Malik Rozier wasn't playing well in the football game, but when they pulled Rozier out in the fourth quarter and put in Evan Sheriffs, in my mind, you know, Mark Rick completely panicked. Like, it was a thousand percent panic move by Rick. Um, I know Rozier was struggling, but there's no chance Evan Sheriffs gives you the best chance to win in that spot on the road after you've been relying on Malik Rozier all year long. There's just no way that's possible. Um, so a lot of different things worked against Miami. You know, the passing game wasn't as efficient as it had been the last few weeks where it looked like Malik Rozier was getting a bit better in the passing game. He overthrew a lot of open guys. Um, this game should have been completely different if he had connected on those passes. And then bottom line is they didn't run the ball well. Uh, Travis Homer, seven carries for 12 yards in the football game. Um, less than two yards a carry there. Malik Rozier was actually leading rusher, 12 carries for 31 yards. Wasn't great. Um, you know, Kenny Pickett, great day throwing the ball, 18 to 29, 193 and a touchdown. He had 60 yards rushing. Quadri Allison, 62 yards rushing. So, you know, they found a way to get the job done. Um, and that, and that was the bottom line. Miami really didn't have any answers once Malik Rozier couldn't connect on the deep passes. That's really what it boiled down to. So look ahead spot for Miami, bad loss, but for the Hurricanes, I mean, they still control their own destiny. Um, they play Clemson. In the ACC championship game, you win, you're in. Uh, that's really what it boils down to. And if you lose, you're out. So Miami had their mulligan. They took it in the final game of the year. Now it really just comes down to all the pressure being on them and Clemson, of course, in the ACC championship, a winner-take-all situation to go to the college football playoff. Yeah, Pitt in this game on defense, it was very clear that they – first of all, they played the entire game like they had nothing to lose, and they didn't. Uh, but that – I mean, that was – 
pretty brilliant on their end. On defense, especially up front, they were selling out to stop the run and put pressure on Malik Rozier, and it worked. Um, again, they were daring Miami to beat him over the top. Nobody could get anything going in the run game on Miami's end. Uh, Rozier, Homer, DJ Dallas, nobody. Uh, Malik Rozier could not get comfortable in the pocket. I mean, even when he was getting the chance to throw the ball, it was it was pretty rushed, or he was being flushed from the pocket. I mean, that was uh, it was constant harassment from the Pittsburgh defense. Uh, Kenny Pickett, like you mentioned, all things considered, I was really impressed with in this game. Um, for a true freshman to come in there against Miami's defense and do what he did. I thought was really, really impressive. Um, he had two rushing touchdowns, both of which he absolutely earned every bit of. Uh, the first one, he took a massive hit at the goal line, held onto the ball, and fell into the end zone. The second one was on a fourth down that he had a, a naked boot that just he took it about 25 yards to the house. Uh, that was a lot of fun to watch, too. Crazy play call. But again, that's Pitt playing with nothing to lose. Um, you even heard a guy like uh, Pat Narduzzi comes out of the locker room at halftime with a little bit of swagger saying, you know, oh, Pitt's done this before. We're going to go do it again. And it's like, coach, you're, you got to go play 30 minutes against a, a team that hadn't lost yet. And you're up three, you know, and yet the team believed in him and, and made it happen. So I was really impressed with Pitt in this game. Uh, Miami just... It, it finally seems to have caught up to him on some level. Um, I question if there's some sort of hangover next week against Clemson, if they you know, really were just looking ahead. Does this affect him or not? Um, I, I'm very, very curious to see kind of how that all turns out. So um, time will tell. But, again, huge win for Pitt and a, uh, another, another tide-changing win for, for them in terms of the college football landscape. I think that's four out of five against top five teams for Pitt that they've won going back about a decade now. So, um, yeah, really cool. That was, that was, that made for a fun black Friday, Mike Pitt 24, number two, Miami 14. And then you're black. If you're ready to move on, (laughs) I am. (laughs) And then we'll cap off your black Friday. Uh, number 25, Virginia tech 10, Virginia, nothing. Uh, I don't know what the total was in this game, but I'm pretty sure the under hit. Um, that it did. This game, Mike, was um, not exactly a sight for sore eyes. Um, there was not a lot of scoring. There was not a lot of offense. Um, Virginia Tech seems to have found a rushing attack in this game. Um, it was just constant pounding the ball uh, in the run game and largely up the middle, too, which that surprised me. That's something that... Virginia Tech hadn't done as well all year, and now all of a sudden, against a pretty decent Virginia defense, they're just running the ball 53 carries for 202 yards. Um, And that was really about it in terms of offense. Um, Mike, what was your big takeaway from this game? Well, Tremaine Edmonds, Virginia Tech's star linebacker, played really well. Uh, Two sacks, three tackles for loss. Uh... Virginia as a team had 20 carries for five yards. So that's, it's <laughs> pretty bad. Um, Kurt Benkert, 17, 34, 186, pretty underwhelming. Uh, Virginia Tech's pass rush got after him all night. Was really impressed with the grit of the Hokies defense. Um, given they had a lot of injuries on that side of the football, Vinny Mahota starting defensive end out for the year. Terrell Edmonds starting safety 
out for the year. Um, you had guys rotating in. Book Reynolds, who's a starting weak side linebacker, he was out. So Virginia Tech was working with a lot of different pieces on the defensive side of the ball, but the rotational players that have been just that, rotational players all year, became starters uh, in, the, in the regular season finale and played very well. Um, Virginia Tech's offense was not very good in this football game. Uh, but the good news is they got Stephen Peoples back. Um, he's been out for the better part of the last two months. Uh, 22 carries, 71 yards rushing. He was battling knee, ankle, hamstring injuries. His whole his whole leg was, was messed up. Um, 22 carries, 71 yards. He made a commitment to running the football with him. Deshaun McLeese, 13 carries, 71 yards as well. He was a little bit more efficient with his carries. Uh, Josh Jackson, really, really bad. Uh, couldn't connect on open throws. The, the same stuff that's been plaguing him. 14-21, 143, touchdown to pick. Hokies extend the win streak over the Cavaliers to 14 years. Uh, that's really all I have to say about this. Good for the defense to get a shutout. Poor offensive effort. Don't know where they're going bowling yet. Uh, looking like it might be the Camping World Bowl, maybe the Tax Slayer Bowl in Jacksonville. Uh, I don't know. But regardless, they're going to have to play a lot better on offense here uh, if they want to have a chance to win the bowl game. It's been a steady regression on that side of the ball for the Hokies here in the second half of the year. And I think I texted you during the game, Mike, trying to figure out, like recognizing that they lost Gerard Evans and Bucky Hodges and uh, – Isaiah Ford and some of those guys off of last year's offense, even still the offensive regression into this year doesn't really add up to me. Um, and, and a lot of it seems to be some pretty peculiar play calling. I think um, it, a lot of it just doesn't end up making sense. And I don't know. It's just, it's weird watching Virginia tech, you know, and I had such ex- expectations for their offense coming into the year Knowing, you know, what uh, what Justin Fuente had done last year and then in previous stops, uh, and to see where it is now, it's it's kind of, uh, kind of befuddling. Uh, but Virginia Tech outgains Virginia by 150 yards, outpossessed Virginia 37 minutes to 22-44, and Virginia only had nine first downs in this game, Mike. Um, basically, the only semblance of offense that Virginia had was Kurt Benkert just dumping the ball deep to – Olamita Zacchaeus or, uh, you know, Andre Lavrone, somebody, if they couldn't hit deep balls in this game, they basically just weren't going anywhere on offense. Um, again, Virginia, 20 carries for five yards combined. Um, is that, is that good? Not great, Bob. Not great. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, yeah. So win streak continues. Virginia Tech 10, Virginia nothing. Uh, moving on, Mike, number three, Clemson 34, number 24, uh, South Carolina 10. This was a blowout. I was surprised by this. I, I thought this was going to be a bit more of a competitive, close game, but Clemson did not have time for it. Um, Clemson just beat the brakes off of South Carolina in this game. They were up 20 to nothing at halftime. They were up 34 nothing at the end of the third quarter. Um, Clemson offensively, you know, was fine in this game. Um it was, uh, you know, they did plenty, obviously, to score 34 points. But um, at the end of the day, their defense is suffocating. And and at the end of the day, like, we will sit here and question how good Kelly Bryan is and how good the Clemson offense is, and that's all good and dandy. But at the end of the day, Clemson's going to go as far as this defense takes them. And I think that's what we've been saying basically all year. 
the defense is good enough to make up for any deficiencies they have on the offensive side of the ball. Um, of course, save for that one random game in October when they lost to Syracuse on a short week and Kelly Bryant was hobbled. Um, every time I watch Clemson play, especially lately, uh, I agree more and more with the committee that that loss to Syracuse should really just be like half a loss <laughs> because you see when Clemson's healthy and clicking on all cylinders, it's just really a team that's on a different level. And uh, they're really starting to play that way as we get closer and closer to the playoff. So the Tigers are in a situation here where they're likely going to be the number one team in the country when the new college football playoff poll is released on Tuesday night. Uh, we're sitting here recording this on Monday, by the way. Uh, yeah, but this game, anyway, kind of a slow start for both teams. But once Ryan Carter intercepted, uh, intercepted a pass there middle of the first quarter, it was off to the races for Clemson. Uh, from there on in, it was an absolute route. They were really getting after South Carolina quarterback Jake Bentley all night. He was 16 of 29, but only for 126 yards, a touchdown, and two picks, like I mentioned. Uh, they got that early pick. They scored 34 unanswered points. Uh, South Carolina didn't score their first points until early in the fourth quarter to make it 34 to 3, and then they scored a garbage time touchdown with less than three minutes to go to make it 34 to 10 which is really unfortunate i took south carolina plus 15 and a half in this game and i felt pretty good about it uh turns out i probably shouldn't have done that uh just a really solid performance by clemson and yeah i mean kelly bryant 272 two scores travis etienne 41 yards and a touchdown on the ground he was just okay uh the defense really just made this a decisive victory for the tigers it was never in doubt and yeah, I mean, South Carolina, for all the hope that they had coming into the game and, you know, sold-out crowd and, you know, they had the blackout going and, you know, the crowd was really into it and Clemson just came in and basically just stomped on their throat. Mm -hmm. So that was a really, really impressive performance by Clemson, one of the more impressive performances of the entire weekend. Yeah, I was with you on this, Mike. I thought this game might get a little bit uglied up or, you know, something to the point that it would at least look competitive on some level. And it just wasn't, I mean, it was competitive maybe for a, a good part of the first quarter, but after that, like you said, I mean, it was just a, it was pretty much just a top to bottom boat race by Clemson here. Um, huge win for the Tigers. Like you said, probably going to be number one here when we get the new polls out here in uh, about 24 hours or so. Uh, probably less by the time people are listening to this, but anyways, uh, big win there for Clemson in the, what, Palmetto Bowl or Battle for the Palmetto State or something Palmetto related. Something like that. Yeah. Sounds good. Woo Pig? No, it's Arkansas, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got nothing I got nothing on that. Yep. Uh Clemson thirty four, South Carolina ten. Moving on, Mike. Um Georgia thirty eight, Georgia Tech seven. Do, I, wait, real quick. Yeah. Real quick. Do mm -hmm. we have a uh, boat race sound effect on here? Um, we, we need one of them. We could figure that out. Yeah, we need one of them. Speaking yeah. of boat races, um, yeah, Mike. So th Georgia thirty eight, Georgia Tech seven. I'm not even going to talk about how this game went. It was a little bit competitive in the first half. Um, it was fourteen nothing. Then Georgia Tech drives down the field, scores a touchdown with uh, less than a minute to go till halftime. Finally looked at some point like they had something going on offense. And wouldn't you know it, Georgia drives down the field and kicks a field goal before halftime. And with, if it weren't for some questionable clock management, clock management, gosh, it's been a long day. If it hadn't been for some questionable clock management on Georgia's end, they might have scored a touchdown. Um, they come out, 
get three and out on the uh, coming out of the uh, halftime. Georgia Tech's defense does, and other than that, it was pretty much a runaway. Um, Georgia scores three times in the next about 15 minutes of game time, and it was just a it was a blowout. Mike um, sitting there in the middle of a bunch of Georgia fans in my own home stadium was not fun. Watching this sad, pathetic defensive effort was not fun. This is not a good experience. I would not recommend it. Uh, two out of ten would not go again. Um, here's the bigger takeaway, Mike, and we've we've talked about this a little bit on Twitter. Is and, and I've mentioned this before. Is that at the end of the day, here's what needs to happen here. Um, it's time for Paul Johnson to make some staff changes. That's it. Um, what, what you're getting from Georgia Tech, especially here at the end of the season, blowouts from Georgia and Duke, the the road loss to Virginia a few weeks ago. These are all, like, very concerning things to see. Like, at the very least, Georgia Tech and Georgia are always pretty competitive. Like, regardless of how good either one is, this is usually like a 7-10 to 10 point game at the, at the very least. And the fact that it, this wasn't within four touchdowns, like, I, that, that is very, very worrisome to me. Um, especially with all the seniors they had on defense and such. I think the defensive play calling and scheme is a massive issue for Georgia Tech and is going to continue to be so until they uh, have a new defensive coordinator. So I'm sitting here waiting and looking to see what changes Paul Johnson is going to make on his staff. It's been a couple of years since he's shaken anything up. And really, it's been the better part of, uh, I think it's been about five years since hiring uh, Ted Roof and hiring Mike Pelton and some of those guys on the staff. So might be time for a change of scenery there. We'll see. if that ends up happening, but if not, I, I don't know how much time and money I'm looking to spend on going to games next year because I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty over it at this point, Mike. I'm not not enthused about what I see. And that last thing that you said about not being all that enthused about spending money on tickets is the reason why, if Georgia Tech decides not to make staff changes, then a five and seven record, assuming Georgia Tech plays the game that didn't get canceled, a five and seven record next year, Paul Johnson's gone, mm-hmm. and it's not just talking about staff changes I mean he'll be gone too and I'm I'm firmly in the camp of Paul Johnson needs to change change up some of his assistants I'm right there with you uh I think it's too brash of a decision to just go out there and just say yeah Paul Johnson should be fired too I think that's a little outrageous they were you know 30 seconds away from winning three game three additional games to the five that they won uh this year they're really like three wins away from being like eight and three or you know at worst seven and four and go into a bowl game but yeah defense has not looked very good I think it starts there I mean Ted Roof has to go and I'm not one to advocate for coaching firings but that's kind of what I have to do here um they give up another 471 yards on Saturday at Georgia it was an embarrassing loss at home against your rival to close out the year George is really good. Uh, there's no doubt about that. There's something to be said for that. But, you know, you lose a game to Duke. You lose to Virginia. You get blown out the way you did against Georgia, Georgia in the finale. Um, you know, the Miami game was a shootout. You lose a tough game against Tennessee in the opener, and Tennessee got rolling on offense. We saw how bad that team was. It was one of the worst teams Tennessee's had in school history, and Georgia Tech found a way to lose to them in the opener. Yeah, a lot of red flags, in my opinion, for Georgia Tech. It was not anywhere close to really that competitive on Saturday. Like you said, they hung around. They, being Georgia Tech, hung around a little bit there in the first half. But, 
you know, Georgia really imposed their will in the second half. Jake Fromm, really efficient day throwing the ball. They ran the ball well with Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle. It was just a boat race, Joey. And you got to be more competitive than that in a rivalry game, especially when a bull berth is on the line, especially when you've had embarrassing losses, you know, in the month leading up to the football game in the season finale. So, yeah, Georgia Tech needs to regroup in a hurry heading into next season. It's going to require some staff changes. And if they kind of stand pat, I think it's all the more pressure on Paul Johnson to produce next year from a head coaching standpoint. Mike, I'm going back and looking at these games that, that Georgia Tech lost, and there's three of them. And you mentioned the Tennessee, the Miami, and the Virginia games. Each of those games, they had fourth quarter leads. Uh, in the Tennessee game, they had a two touchdown lead with 13 minutes left to go in the game. Uh, when the Miami game, they had a, a lead, they needed one stop and they had two and a half minutes left in the game. In the Virginia game, they had a three-point lead with three minutes left in the game. Each each of those games, they needed one stop. They had a lead. They had the game won, and they couldn't get it in any of them. Uh, I I don't know how they got it in the Virginia Tech game. I think that some of that, again, some of that funky play calling is basically what (laughs) – what, what bailed out Ted Roof's defense there? Because we all were, you know, we're all Georgia Tech fans sitting on Twitter knowing what's going to happen is that they're going to give up a touchdown there, right? Because that's what they've done all year. And at that point, when you just absolutely can't rely on your defense, and, and when your offense has put you in position to win the game, and the defense can't, just cannot come up with a stop, it's time for something different. So I think you're going to get it. Uh, I, I said on Twitter, I think I'll never go to another Georgia Tech game while Ted Roof is their defensive coordinator. Ultimately, I think I'm like really beating my chest for something that's just it's going to happen. It's not going to really be for any sort of uh, I'm not, I'm not going to be uh, the martyr here. I think he's going to be gone here within a week or two. So we'll see what happens. But um, look for some changes there. And if you don't see him, be disappointed. Georgia 38, Georgia Tech 7. Moving on, Mike. Duke 31, Wake Forest 23. I don't know how this happened. Um, I'm very intrigued by this outcome here. Um Man, Wake Forest has been so good all year, and Duke has been so just kind of lackluster all year. Wake goes into the fourth quarter with a 23-17 lead. Duke scores twice in the final period and wins by eight. Um, Pretty impressive showing by the Blue Devils, I think, to get this done and and to do it on the road, no less. Um, You know, a team that has now fought their way into ball eligibility. uh, Pretty impressive from where Duke was a couple weeks ago, Mike. Yeah, you finish a year blowing out Georgia Tech and then bouncing back and beating Wake Forest the following week. A team in Wake Forest had been playing really well, like you mentioned, and all of a sudden Duke goes from 4-6 and six to 6-6 six and six and becomes bowl eligible. A big reason why is because they were able to protect Daniel Jones better. Um, we saw mediocre Daniel Jones in this football game. He threw for 346 yards, so that was kind of a breath of fresh air, averaging 7.9 yards per completion. Two touchdowns, three picks, though, and the three picks Oof. are what kept Wake Forest in the football game. So every time you think you're going to get really good Daniel Jones, you get mediocre Daniel Jones. That's kind of the way the sophomore year has gone for him. Um, John Wolford on the other side, 16 of 33, 191, two touchdowns, two picks. Two picks were killer in this football game. Um, You don't throw the picks, you might actually end up winning this football game, especially with your defense producing the takeaways like they did. Um, Wake Forest had 35 carries for 145 yards as a team on the ground. They did a pretty good job against Duke's rushing attack on the other side, 45 carries for 97 yards. Duke did have two touchdowns on the ground, including one from quarterback Daniel Jones. So 
you know, take it take it with a grain of salt. But yeah, good win for Duke. They're now bowl eligible. Wake Forest finishes the year seven and five. Still a really solid campaign for them. They'll be going for eight wins in the bowl game. Duke making a bowl game, I think, is a big deal considering where they were about a month ago, where it was looking kind of bleak. Uh, but they finished strong. They're going to have an opportunity to get into some sort of bowl game and at least be competitive. Look out for them maybe in like the pinstripe bowl or something crazy like that. Um, but yeah, Wake Forest and Duke, both bowl eligible, and we'll kind of see how it shakes out here in the next month or so. I do want to mention that Duke had five different scoring drives in this game, uh, four touchdowns, one field goal. They didn't have any cheapies. The field goal drive went for 45 yards. The others, 82 yards, 75 yards, 75 yards, 74 yards. So Duke was having to work for it to a certain degree, and they hit a few big plays that really helped on a couple of them. Um, but ultimately, I mean, Wake, we talked about blowing leads. Wake had leads of 10 nothing, 17-3, 20-10, and 23-17, uh, again, going into the fourth quarter, and they lose the game. That's, that's a tough one. Uh, John Walford, again, two pretty critical interceptions in this game. Um, and ultimately, the, the, the Blue Devils get it done here. Um, they, they recover from some early turnovers, do, does Duke, uh, on the way to a, uh, a big win here. And Duke's going bowling. So, good on you. So weird. Yeah. Not what so I was weird. expecting a little while ago. Um, not at all. So, Duke 31, Wake Forest 23. Moving on, Mike. NC State 33, UNC 21, and the Wolfpack struggled in this game a little bit. They did not, uh, they did not really pull away here for a lot of it. Um, I, I was, uh, I was pretty impressed with how well they they ended up sticking with it and how well UNC fought their entire way through the game up until uh, the point when NC State was able to take over here, you know, late in the third quarter or so. Yeah, NC State solid in this football game. Uh, North Carolina hung with them, like you mentioned, for the better part of the first two and a half quarters. Uh, the thing that really separated NC State in this football game was a play in Naheem Hines, 22 carries, 196 and two touchdowns, averaged nearly nine yards per carry on the day. Big reason why North Carolina didn't end up winning this football game is because they couldn't stop the running game of NC State. Um, you know, as good as Naheem, Hine won, Naheem Hines was, uh, Jalen Samuels was good as well when he got the ball in his hands in the running game. Seven carries, 53 yards, had another touchdown. Ryan Finley, two scores on the ground as well. He was 20 of 30 through the air, 204 yards, and an interception throwing the ball. On the flip side, Nathan Elliott tried to do the best he could to keep the Tar Heels in it. He was 21 of 45 for 277, three touchdowns, two picks. And, yeah, it really just boiled down to the fact that NC State was more explosive. They were able to control things from the running game. Um, they were able to keep the ball away from North Carolina's offense, which is trying to throw the ball all over the field to keep them in it. Um, but, yeah, NC State really just controlled the line of scrimmage. I thought that ended up being the difference in the football game, especially in the second half. The better rushing attack ended up winning out here. Damn, Naeem Hines. 22 carries, 196 yards, and two touchdowns. That's a that's a good day at the office for him. Um, Nathan Elliott, I thought, was admirable in this game. I think that's the word I'm going to go with here. Uh, 21 of 45 for 277, three touchdowns, two picks, five carries for 13 yards. Um, obviously not enough to get it done, but uh, still did some damage and, and, you know, hung in there for what a, a true freshman, again, could be expected to do. Um, overall, yeah, ultimately just NC State controlled the line of scrimmage. 
they their defensive line was able to get after Nathan Elliott a little bit, and uh, the the Wolfpack, of course, run the ball exceptionally well here. Forty five carries for two ninety two and five touchdowns. Uh, and they put away a UNC team that has fought a whole lot more than I really expected them to this year. Um, they they never did quit. They never gave up. It was just they were ravaged by injuries, and that was it. Um, un- unfortunate for them that they, they weren't able to pull off any more wins than they did. But uh, still, again, admirable effort. They kept fighting, kept playing. And um, I think that they, uh, they might secretly be actually kind of decent next year. We'll see. Moving on, Mike. Florida State 38, Florida 22. Uh, how much of this game did you watch? I watched a lot more than I expected to watch. Um, I was actually, at the time it was going on, I was out to lunch with my girlfriend and her family and some of her family friends. And I saw a good bit of this game, Joey, because it was on at the restaurant I was at, and I took the under, so I was pretty, uh, you know, I know the saying, life's too short to bet the under. Um, I bet the under in this football (laughs) game because I figure these two offenses are low-key garbage. Mm. And they went over midway through the third quarter. I forget what I took as the over-under, but it wasn't even close. Uh, Really weird game. Something like 28 of the first 31 points in this football game came off turnovers. Uh, That sounds about par for the course. Yeah, so... We promised that this game would get weird. You and I both said it in our individual segments that we spliced together in the preview. We said there's no reason to watch this football game, but if you are going to watch it, it's going to get weird. It indeed got weird. Um, I thought both teams played, for the most part, their most complete games of the season. If that makes any sense, they both looked explosive at times. (laughs) Uh, Defense looked, I don't know, the defenses looked somewhat competent, competent enough they were forcing turnovers. The offenses were kind of exciting. Uh, yeah, it was a fun game to watch, Joey. I was pleasantly surprised, uh, especially since I told everybody I wasn't going to watch any of it. I ended up watching like three and a half quarters of it, and then once it took the, once it hit the over, I uh, lost all interest. I was done. Mike, can we talk about the fact that Florida State scored 38 points and had 216 yards of offense? My goodness. Short field, buddy. Short field, I'm telling you. I guess. Uh yeah, not a whole lot to say here, I guess. I mean, yeah, so Florida State had a couple of defensive scores in the first half that pretty quickly jacked the score up in this game. It was 24-13 at halftime, and I believe the over-under was something like 41 or something like that. And so you get to 37 at halftime, so... Shattered. Yeah. That, Shattered, I told you. That went away pretty quickly. Um, without having watched a minute of this game, because I was watching a, a mess of a game on my own... This game sounds like it was a bit of a just top-to-bottom mess slash disaster. Yes. Um, man, Florida drive chart in the first half. Turnover on downs, fumble return for a touchdown, punt, touchdown, interception, punt, punt, interception t- return for a touchdown, and finally their own touchdown at the very end. Whoops. Gosh, Florida. Gosh. Uh, man. Okay. Well, F- Florida State's five and six now, and now they go in a um, hope to uh, not just totally pee down their leg and and beat ULM to get bowl eligible next week. Um, we'll we'll get to that in the preview. We'll also talk about whether or not Jimbo Fisher is still their coach in the preview. Um, that's just a a little bit of a radio tease there for you. But anyways, I got nothing else in this game unless you do, Mike. Uh, that about sums it up. 
Knowles win 38-22. Moving on, Mike. Louisville 44, Kentucky 17. This was about as much as I expected, maybe even a little more. Um, Louisville just completely and totally overwhelms Kentucky in this game. Uh, they're up 31-10 to at halftime, and it just kind of snowballed from there. Cardinals go for 346 and three touchdowns on the ground here. Uh, Kentucky just didn't really have much of an answer for Louisville's offense. Lamar Jackson continues to do what he is known for, which is everything. Um, yeah, no, this is a, this is a route for Louisville, a, a really nice showing by their defense and their offense. Just a total total team win here for the Cardinals. Uh, yeah, Kentucky, you might want to do something about defending Lamar Jackson. Yes. Yes. He he is uh, warranting of some attention, yes. Yeah, uh, and Kentucky apparently didn't get the memo. Um, Jackson, 15 of 21, 216, two scores through the air, 18 for 156 on the ground. As you mentioned, 346 yards rushing and three touchdowns total for Louisville as a team. Uh, it was two touchdown rushes by Reggie Bonifon, one by Day Williams. Complete dominance. Just complete dominance. Kentucky was never competitive in this one. Really, really ugly showing by their defense. Louisville, really strong finish to the year. Um, the Cardinals are starting to look like they did at the beginning of the t- 2016 season. Cardinals now finish a regular season 8-4. and four, will go to a pretty solid bowl game, so... Pretty strong finish to the year for Louisville and Bobby Petrino. It was a nice little turnaround because things were looking kind of murky there in mid-October. But look on the bright side, Kentucky fans. I know how you feel. Watching that happen in your own own stadium, just get run out of the building. It's great. Louisville 44, Kentucky 17. Last game, Mike. Boston College 42, Syracuse 14. Eric Dungy's uh, injury concerns continue and the Eagles just take total and uh, full and total advantage. This is a runaway D train, a runaway D train, if you will. Uh, AJ Dillon, twenty-three carries, one ninety-three, three touchdowns, which is just what we expect from him at this point. Uh, Rex Culpepper, not awful for Syracuse, but the Orange just not able to finish drives and such. Um, man, I I don't know what else to say about this. Uh, this was what it was. Boston College is a whole lot better than we thought they were going to be. Uh, very, very impressive showing from the Eagles, and uh, they're seven and five. Definitely going bowling. Um, gonna be interested to uh, recap the Syracuse season with you here in a few weeks, Mike, and, and talk about kind of what this whole thing turned out to be. Uh, not really what we were looking for from the Orange in year two. Uh, yeah, I don't have much to add about this game. Good effort by Boston College running the football. Um, yeah, to your point about Syracuse, I mean, without a quarterback, they're a mess. And that's kind of troublesome. I mean, plenty of reason for optimism if you're Syracuse just because of the talent that Dino Babers continues to bring in. But this is a pretty disappointing second season. I thought that they would be a lot better than they ended up being. You can blame it on injuries to a degree, but, I mean, you hope that your team doesn't tank, you know, the way that Syracuse's team did without their quarterback and Eric Dungey for a good portion of the season because he really did end up missing the last month, month and a half due to injury. And, you know, you see how bad Syracuse ended up being. By the same token, you know, Florida State dealt with the same sort of thing. I mean, they didn't have DeAndre Francois. Look how poorly uh, their season ended up So ended up being. So, yeah, you wish the season ended up better for Syracuse, but the quarterback issues were just too much to overcome. Yeah, 
Best I got. Um, maybe maybe it'll be better next year in year three. Um, I'm mostly concerned about the defense at this point. Um, what you've seen from Dino Babers is kind of matching what they did at Baylor. Although Baylor, when they were at their best, had a pretty solid defense, or at the very least was able to score so much that like two stops from their defense is enough to win a game. So I, I don't know if Syracuse is going to be able to get to that level. Time will tell. Uh, but again, much better, I guess, very impressive year from Boston College relative to expectations. Uh, pretty disappointing from Syracuse relative to expectations. Eagles 42, Syracuse 14. I believe there's like an orange eagle trophy or something that the uh, the Eagles went out of this one. Is that is that a thing? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, why not? Let's go with All that. Right. Why not? Moving on, Mike. We got a go ACC moment of the week, uh, and and I think we've talked a lot this year about how we figured that uh, at some point Miami was going to get a little bit of a taste of their own medicine, and boy, did they get a little bit of poetic justice here. About seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, uh, Pitts got the ball up seventeen seven, third and nine from their own twenty four yard line. Kenny Pickett trying to extend the drive and and really put some pressure on Miami after they've punted and changed quarterbacks. And Miami, of course, has made a big old resume for themselves this year off of uh, the thing that they like to refer to as the turnover chain, uh, kind of creating turnovers and honestly getting uh, lucky if you look at some of the stats, probably getting more turnovers than they should be. And uh, they had a chance to get one here, and here's what happens. They're going to throw it. Kenny Pickett on a roll to the sideline. Yeah, uh, I, poetic justice, perhaps. Uh, ball goes right, right through the hands of a Miami corner, falls into the lap of Quadri Henderson, and the pit drive continues. And Pitt would go on to score a touchdown on that drive to put the game away. Um, I I was beside myself when this happened, Mike. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Uh, yeah. It was just kind of a culmination of things for Miami and everything that we said would happen all year long, like Miami getting bit in the ass finally end up, ends up happening. This was just kind of microcosm of the day for the Hurricanes. So, yeah, pretty hilarious moment all in all. With the number of tipped balls that their offense has come down with, for no ex- like there, there's no explanation for how they've done it. That was in, unbelievably amusing for me. I, I loved it. Uh we got a Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award here, and I think we got a, kind of co-winners this week, Mike? We do. Um, Virginia's rushing attack against Virginia Tech. 20 carries for five yards. You tried. Ted Roof's defense against Georgia. You tried. They they tried, I think. Ugly, ugly, ugly. Yeah, not great. Uh Virginia manages to get shut out here. I think this is the third time that Virginia Tech is shut out. Virginia in the last like 11 or 12 seasons that's man that is a lot of not scoring for Virginia not great um so uh Virginia Ted Roof you tried um and and we're very proud of the the effort at the very least um good try Mike uh can I tell you about Jamaica real quickly please do yeah so here's what happened okay so we're gonna get together and record on Wednesday night right and um we were, we're down at the bar and in the pool and doing all this stuff, and it starts to, you know, get cloudy, kind of starts to rain, maybe like mid-afternoon, around 3 o'clock. And um, 
So we go up, you know, we're, it's, we're pretty much done. We shower up, go down. We're going to have a drink and read a book. And it's raining really hard. Um, been raining really hard for about an hour or so. Not a big deal. Uh, well, another hour or so passed, still raining real hard. And all of a sudden, we're sitting on the couches at this uh, all-inclusive resort and just see water start flowing in uh, kind of from all sides. And, and real quickly, it happened. Um, within about a minute, the floor on the, on the bottom floor of this resort, I think, went from like bone dry to all underwater in some capacity. So it all happened real quick. Uh, the first floor ended up being under like somewhere between two, two and a half feet of water before it was all over. Uh, so it was all flooded out. It was a mess. Uh, we knocked, we had, we lost power for a few hours. Um, we like all the restaurants and such in the place ended up getting flooded out. So we had to move to one of their uh, sister resorts to go eat that night. Um, strangely, Wi-Fi worked as long as the power was on and even a little bit once it went off. And then once the power came back on, the Wi-Fi worked. And then shortly after you and I sat down to record, the Wi-Fi cut out entirely and was gone like all night. Like I woke up a couple times in the middle of the night, checked my phone to see if it would connect to Wi-Fi and it wouldn't. And then when I woke up in the morning, it was back. So that's where I had, I had recorded all the segments on my own and uploaded them and, and you took care of them. But so we got up Thursday morning I uploaded those segments and uh, went downstairs. So it's Thanksgiving morning. We're going to go. Um, we were actually going to go take some supplies and such to an orphanage down there. It was, it was going to be a, like a great Thanksgiving day. And we find out that the cab can't get us to the orphanage because of the flooding that's happened around. This wasn't just my resort. This is a big thing in Montego Bay, Jamaica last week. Can't get us to the orphanage. Um, the pools at the, at the resort are all disgusting and and you know, filled with mud and crap from the flood. The weather's gross. Everything's still kind of watered down. There's no food. There's no booze. And we're like, well, what are we staying here for? And we ended up flying back on Thursday, uh, getting back in time to have dinner at Taco Mac, which for those unfamiliar, that's basically Atlanta's version of Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, And we got to watch the Egg Bowl. So I I ended up getting to watch basically all the college football from my own couch this weekend, where I thought I was going to only be able to see like Saturday, you know, afternoon games, basically. But, um, yeah, it was a bit of a weird, weird weekend, weird vacation. Um, and uh, so it didn't totally turn out how I expected, but um, still a good time. We enjoyed some family time. And uh, as my mom would say, we, we made memories, Mike. We made memories. Now, question for you. Mm-hmm. So did you get comped at all for the day that kind of went to hell? on well i guess that would be friday yeah we got a couple of free drink tickets um okay okay could be worse it was an all-inclusive resort so it could have been a whole lot better too so uh, (laughs) no we we did not really get compensated i I think my mom was going to try to get like a refund or something but who knows if that was actually going to happen or not we actually talked to a really nice clemson fan in the lobby and he was saying he was going to dispute the charge on his credit card so wait 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 a second wait a very nice clemson fan there is such a one we found one. Sorry, Andrew Parker. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, I don't know. Uh, my mom kind of handled all that. That was all like the family vacation and such. So um, luckily we didn't have to pay the change fee for the uh, the airline ticket. We moved it up a full 24 hours and that went okay. There you go. We also got to eat at uh, the Margaritaville uh, restaurant in the Montego Bay airport. So that was uh, kind of neat too. Was that like a 40-minute flight for you? Uh, from Jamaica to Atlanta, it was like three hours. Oh, was yeah. it really? Oh, wow. Yeah, it's kind of out there. I'm way off. 
Yeah. It takes yeah. about an hour to Between get to like there. Miami. So then, yeah, two hours from there. So, um, overall, good vacation though. Did you have a good uh, good Thanksgiving? I did. I did. Went to uh, went to Redskins Giants on Thursday Ooh. night. Uh, before that, went to my uncle's. Had some turkey. That was good. Watched some. Uh, Watched the football there in the middle part of the day, so that was solid. Uh, Friday was chill day. Just, you know, saw some egg bowl. Uh, saw some Virginia Tech Virginia, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to the Washington Capitals game against the Tampa Bay Lightning on Friday afternoon, so that was a good time. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Saturday and Sunday, watched a lot of football, hung out with some friends, uh, hung out with my girlfriend family all that stuff so yeah it was solid relaxing didn't do a whole heck of a lot but did see a lot of football can't beat that there you go that's all you could ask for i got to uh see the uh, mercedes-benz stadium on sunday too that place is gorgeous um so now we got we got you seeing that stadium and your wife and my girlfriend has seen it she was at the falcons cowboys game a couple weeks ago i have yet to see Mm -hmm. it so i am the only one now that's a bummer. I gotta figure to that make out. Make the pilgrimage. Uh, Virginia Tech surely plays in like a Chick Fil A kickoff game or something at some point here in the near future. Yeah, played it. Played Alabama one time in that, and uh, that did not go well. Yeah, don't don't try to remember that one too hard. Um, it was yeah, it was a typical Alabama game. Yeah, don't don't try this at home. Uh, all right, Mike, this has gone on for too long. We gotta get out of here. Uh, you guys can go find us on Twitter. I'm at FGRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel ACC, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You guys can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed Thank it. You. you can find us on iTunes, on Google Play, on SoundCloud, on the Overcast app. Not Spotify, not Stitcher, and maybe in other places or not. Up to you. Uh, Mike, any other places on the social media that they can go find us? Facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Ooh, Jim. Yeah, you should do that. Uh, DMs are open. Hit us up if you want anything. Other than that, Mike, it's been a fun week 13. We were a little late here on the uh, recap, but we will be uh, back with a preview of the ACC championship game and also Florida State ULM uh, later this week. And so stay tuned for that. But uh, this has been fun, and I, I look forward to talking a little more in-depth about a uh, pretty fun Miami and Clemson game coming up next weekend. Should be a good one. I'm personally pumped for ULM and Florida State, especially if Florida State has, like, Clint Trickett's dad as the interim head coach. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I want to see that game get a little uh, a little weird and just see how uh, Florida State tries to survive ULM at home. That'll be fun. Let's get Please weird. Please do. All right, Mike, this has been fun. I will uh, catch you here a little later this week. Sounds good, buddy. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.